so she has like plausible deniability when we go up in front of a court. Yes. And it's just like, hey, listen, I was just following orders. Hey, girl, listen, that didn't work during Nuremberg. It's not going to work for you. Okay. It's not my fault. I want to follow orders from you. Let me have this, Lisa. Let me have it. <laughs> Are we actually recording now? Yeah, it's recording. Oh, so shit. Hello. <laughs> oh, my God. Hi, everybody. That, this is the most ridiculous intro, but probably for one of the most ridiculous episodes we're going to do. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Simply Amazing. Of course, I am the OG Nocturne. And of course, I am joined by my fabulous co-host, Lauren. But before we even get into it, Lauren, we have an amazing guest here to talk to us about... Um, I, I don't know. Would I, would, I, I think it's one of my favorite appendages that Kurt has. <laughs> I think what do you it think, is Lauren? the appendage Kurt has. Let me tell you, it is the most talked about appendage of his ever. And you think for a man, it would be a different appendage. But no, 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 no. Kurt has redefined what is the most talked about appendage on a man. And you know, if you were German, although, it would be different too. But like, Although if you're German, it's the same thing, basically. So, uh... Yeah, we're here with uh, Dr. Anna Papard to talk about the tale. Hey, Anna, thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me. A nice break from the grant proposal I've been working on all day. <laughs> well, this is clearly going to be a lot more work. <laughs> probably, probably. Uh, I want to apologize in advance, Anna, for uh, everything you're about to hear, respond to, put up with. <laughs> um, you're always such a good sport with all the chaos we bring. Uh, to be fair, though, I mean, she's going to be all up in it with us. So, you know, we are on this ride together. We are all strapped in next to each other on this rocket ship to talk about Kurt's tale uh, because it finally got its time to shine in uh, in canon. The only time I've ever seen it, you know. So, listen, it's had its time to shine before because he uses it to fight with and like, you know, with the sword. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is the first time it, you know, it got its time to shine. It, it, it finally was put on the page what his tale can also be used for. So it's now, it's past fanfic, which once you know once it's past fanfic, there's no going back. Like fanfic's, fanfic's already starting it, but it, it was just such a nice, for lack of a better word, uh, touch to it all. And I like that for whatever reason Spurrier said, this needs to be here. This is an essential part to knowing what has happened. What do you think, Anna? <laughs> well, yeah, I definitely used that as a prompt to uh, talk about it since it's something I've talked about many times before. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it is something I've talked about many times before, um, both in fan circles, of course, and a little bit academically and on the Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast where where uh, OG Nocturne has been a guest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as soon as that preview came out that had those opening pages with the reference to Kurt's tale and how many uses it can have, I was like, okay, well, I've kind of been I kind of been wanting to do a thread about this for a while. It wasn't quite right for a guest thread on Claremont Run because a little bit too much of a personal interest. So so I did I part of my Sunday, I was like, I'm gonna treat myself to doing this thread. So I did like a, I don't even like a 12, 13 part thread on, on the sexual symbolism of Nightcrawler's tale. Very academic, very serious. Oh yeah. Um, in, yeah. in every way, of course. And it was funny because I did it and I was like, you know, you don't have expectations when you tweet something out there. You're sort of like, you know, like the 10 people that follow me, will probably like it, you know, that's fine. So I tweeted it out and then I went over to a friend's house and we were sitting outside in the sun like all afternoon and I didn't have cell service there. So then I got back like three or four hours later and I was like, oh shit, that is more Twitter notifications than I usually have. <laughs> so I think that thread is standing at like about 900 likes right now and like a lot of retweets and a lot of hilarious <laughs> comments and commentary like <laughs> ranging from 
ranging from the, you know, not so great, like only someone with a mental illness would write this thread, that kind of thing. Of course, you're going to get a few of those and like jokes on you. I do have one of those, but it's not a bad thing. (laughs) But I... I think the surprising thing was how upbeat people were about it, though. Like, lots of people are like, this is the greatest thread I've ever read. I've been waiting for somebody to talk about this. And, like, genuine, you know, which <laughs> was quite touching because it is one of those things that kind of exists within this subculture of fandom and the subcultural spaces of your own mind. And then you put it out in the world. And actually to get a pretty positive response to that conversation was heartening. It was a lot of fun. It was it distracted me for most of a day (laughs) which you know these days you got to get your kicks online so many of us are still stuck at home (laughs) well listen you gotta you gotta get your distraction somewhere and there's no (laughs) better place to get it than nightcrawler's tail um i you know the thread was really interesting you brought up a lot of really cool points about it i I think the one thing that uh, i think one of the reasons people respond to the tale like this or get have their they have so many opinions is because in a way, I almost think the tale is a character in and of itself, because it does kind of, I, I almost want to say it's like the equivalent of Peter Pan shadow and Peter Pan, where mm, it's yeah. this, it's this, you know, part of him that some kind of belies him in a lot of ways. Like, you know, you see like, when that scene where he's kissing Cerise, and his tail is all knotted up, because it's this, you know, very sexually charged, but awkward moment. And, you know, it, it, you wouldn't see that from his body language as much, but the tail really shows you. And there's lots of instances of that. Um, so I think that's part of it is that it has its own characterization. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And it's sort of, I mean, it's so much of the interesting stuff that you can do with super bo- superhero bodies in general, right? Like, I mean, it's not unlike something like a superhero's cape, which is like impossible and contributes to character and stuff because it's used for movement a lot too, like outside of the sexual context. But yeah, mm-hmm. to be able to use his tail to kind of assert that sexual playfulness. And I mean, I know you're both fans of Cockrum who did plenty of that despite oh, having yeah. that original style sheet that's like, <laughs> don't place the tail in certain places because the code will think it's a penis. And I'm like, well, yeah, but <laughs> despite that I mean, being that his be rule, so he was certainly comfortable playing with it. <laughs> well, that's it. And here's the thing. I mean, the tail is a penis in a lot of ways. <laughs> Let's be real. You know, it's, it's very much a penis. It shows when he, like, again, this Reese thing, it shows when he's aroused, when he's happy, when he's excited. Like, it's it's almost like a dog, you know, a dog's tail is wagging, but there's so much more to it. He it can emote so much more with his tail. Uh, yeah, but there's definitely penis qualities to it, 100%. Yeah, I like that, uh, that earlier you were talking about how his tail is like Pierre Pan shadow. Um, and, and that's, that to me makes the narrative of like it's part of his identity too i mean what's kurt without his tail then that begs the question is he's still kurt does he have a crisis if he loses his tail which i imagine he would because like you said not only is it sure it's similar to a a penis but like it's it's also a direct expression he willingly uses i think too like it's it's not just a natural reaction for him i think you know he likes to show it off a bit we're not going to talk about that story in Extraordinary X-Men where Sinister cuts it off, are we? <laughs> oh, God, no, no. I don't know about that. <laughs> no. Like, that's a thing that that's happened. That's not why I meant to go with this, but you have a point. <laughs> but he he did lose his tail when he, when like, he was, what was it? They All the X-Men were turned human. And there is a moment that he mentions about you know, having to react, like he had to relearn how to walk because he didn't have his tail to counterbalance the way he mm-hmm. what he was comfortable walking. So, you know, it's come up, it has come up and he does, uh, he's somebody who as weird looking as he is, is so happy with how he looks. Like he's very happy mm-hmm. with who he is and every single part of him. Yeah. And I mean, the tail is so representative of that, right? Because it's funny when we have human-like characters who have tails and it's like, well, why do we assume that the tail would be free and that the tail wouldn't have clothes or jewelry or like some other convention, right? But it's because it's so expressive, right? I think it's because that's mm-hmm. what we want it to be. You know, artists love drawing Nightcrawler. We all know that. And the tail is a huge part mm-hmm. of it. I mean, think about how much variation there is in the way people draw it. Some people draw it like it's eight feet long. 
you know, oh and it's God, just doing yeah. curls and arches all over the page. Other people draw it more realistically, you know, there's just so I many think different things you can do with it. You have to tell me if you were thinking of the exact same cover that I'm thinking of, it was during the Austin <laughs> run and there's a cover where he's got a tail that looks like it's like 25 feet long and it's just like wrapping around <laughs> everything. It's just ridiculous. It's like, wait how does this make any sense it's not retractable like his daughter's so you can't say you know he's got extra in there i was thinking of the sam keith cover from marvel comics presents where he's got it wrapped about 15 times around wolverine's very beefy arm (laughs) oh okay okay now there this is a different one where it's just like kind of all over the place it's just a lot it's a lot i i I hope for weaponless zen's sake that it's not a 25 foot long tail like that that that's a little (laughs) much guys (laughs) yeah no no i know she likes a challenge but i'm not sure she'd like that challenge (laughs) well but that raises an interesting question right which is one of the things that i mentioned in the thread which is that certainly in fan fiction that i have read and some fan art that i've read but mostly in fan fiction that people use it for different things. Like sometimes it's mm-hmm. used to penetrate and sometimes it's used in other ways too, like being squeezed by the tail, being caressed by the tail. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how like explicit we want to get on this podcast, but I've definitely like read it. <laughs> I read stories I just... where he like, you know, pledges a woman's clitoris with the tip of the tail because we can oh, yeah. see how flexible and like versatile that tail is. And I mean, that clitoris thing is not totally unlike that thing that Cockrum writes into the 85 Nightcrawler miniseries where he tickles a tentacle monster with his tail, a very yeah. gooey, pink, um, inside yeah. out tentacle monster. So you can't tell me that that wasn't on his mind a little bit. Oh, I mean, listen, we've seen what was on Cockrum's mind. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it was just, so it's it's all out there. Uh, and we appreciate it. We love every second of it. Oh, now, yes. I will say, I will say, I personally have not read any of these fanfics because I don't do mature anything. I mean, I just, I, I'm just going off of a friend. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I've read all of them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, there, there's so many ways in fandom that his tale is used to express himself and also sexually i know one thing i've seen is like you know when he comes his tail gets all like like arches up behind him or whatever and i'm like okay i could i could see that i could see that um nobody told me i needed wine for this episode what the hell like girl you you knew who was coming and you knew what we were talking about i don't know what you expected I mean, we're already at arching tails. We're at the clitoris. I mean, and we're 12 minutes in. Like, <laughs> Well, let's get to the schwants of it all then. Because <laughs> this came up, Anna, in your thread as well. The fact that schwants is the German word for tail, which also happens to be the, a German slang word for penis. Which, being that Nightcrawler is German, makes it all the more... <laughs> kind of funny yeah I did I did like that as like a point of trivia although I'm I'm sure he doesn't use that word like the one time he does refer to it that I can think of by by the German word and it's oh it's in uh Burn Claremont uncanny issue where they're in the savage land and I mean it would have been very inappropriate in the scene where I'm thinking of because he was like talking to a child and being like this is called in German like a whatever and I cannot remember the word that he uses and I apologize I didn't look it up but I can't think of another I can't think of another instance in where he says like a German word for it maybe one of you two can I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I can't think of a time he uses it in the comics. I, the problem is, is I, if I think, if I'm thinking of something, it's like, did that happen in a fanfic or a yeah. comic? Because sometimes for me, it's like, <laughs> you know, um, you know, that becomes, it all kind of blends in together. But um, yeah, I just, it, it's an interesting little uh, tidbit, you know, that they, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was intentional at all, but um I don't know. It's it's funny. I think it's. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I thought that was funny too. I mean, it's. I don't know. It's such a like fascinating thing in terms of the stuff that fascinates me about superhero comics in general. You know, like I mean, in my work, I often talk about the presence and absence of super sex. Right, the fact that this is a mm-hmm. genre where like eroticism and sexuality seems so overt with the exaggeration of costumes and the, and like bodies and everything and the situations and bodies getting tangled up with other bodies and. 
transmutations and mutations and all of these things that have like a sexual component to them and yet it's officially absent so much of the time other than you know more recently we've seen more explicit sexuality in superhero comics but certainly while the code was still in effect we saw a lot less of that and then Nightcrawler's tale is like a way to get around that right it's a way Mm -hmm. to do sexual symbolism without overtly doing sexual symbolism and Nightcrawler as a character in general is such an interesting character for that because you know he's a character who play acts at stories he's a very performative character so he's a character that opens the door to doing a lot of playful things because there's a plausible deniability almost because of his monstrousness and his difference there's a plausible deniability like sure we all know that plenty of people find Kurt super sexy but a lot of readers you know some straight male readers don't see it (laughs) and so there's like that deniability like I've even seen people say about you know like the Paul Smith Burt Reynolds Nightcrawler scene like I don't get it and I'm like what's not to get though (laughs) that's one of those things where it's like if you like if you don't get it like where where you really need to study pop culture more because yeah. it's 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 referencing something so iconic mm-hmm. and it, it's just like if you're just like oh, I don't get it I, well then I don't know learn something watch some <laughs> like look at something that was made before 1980 I don't know what to tell you um but uh you know I was thinking while we were talking about this I was thinking about that scene there's that that scene a while ago it was I can't remember the issue I think it was like in like a an, a visions book or something where um, he's dressed as a devil at a Halloween party. Oh, I and know exactly what comic that is. Yep. Oh, and he's he's flirting with the woman who's dressed as a cat. And then at the end, you know, she like she actually like compliments him on his tail and is like, "This is so lifelike. It's even warm." And then at the end, he like uses his tail to wave at her. And it's very, you know, it's very suggestive and cute, and um, uh, you know, just another kind of fun. It's like it's basically a story that really kind of centers on the tale as almost a character. Yes, that is a classic X Men story written by my beloved Anne Nascenti. Um, oh, <laughs> always go. bringing some interesting gender and sexuality stuff to comics is Anne Nascenti. It is classic X Men number twenty eight. Just looked it up because I included Perfect. that in the tale thread, of course. Oh but yeah, yeah, it's a classic moment. That's such an interesting scene because it's like you know, you talked about, you know, making things canon. That's as close as we've had to something that makes it canon, that Kurt's tale is an erogenous zone. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, he specifically says to her, like, you know, she's touching Mm -hmm. it and she says, oh, it's so warm and lifelike. And then he says, oh, pussycat, I'm in heaven, which is why I have to be going. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, this this outfit's too tight. Yeah, that's definitely like the... That's a rom-com line for sure. Like the second yeah. you're recounting that, I was like, mm-hmm, yep, that, that exact. And that sounds like a line from Fanfic too. It's so warm. It's such like, a word, eh, warm. It. <laughs> yeah, it's so warm and long we got and it. hard. Yeah, okay, we get it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and like you were saying about, you know, superhero <laughs> comics and sexuality as well, uh, you know, we have all these characters who are essentially running around naked and we're supposed to believe that they're not fucking. <laughs> Come on. Well, I went I, to college. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, with X-Men in particular, I remember having a real light bulb <laughs> moment when I was reading Claremont's X-Men the first time. I, I might have even said this the last time I was with you guys, but like just realizing as I was reading it, oh, all the X-Men are sex toys. I understand now. This is what the comic's about. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't mean that reductively. I mean, that's <laughs> there's sexuality yeah. is complicated. So characters being sex toys with mutant powers that can do all sorts of different things and mm-hmm. being in complicated, potentially polyamorous relationships with each other while living in a <laughs> emotionally tense household and trying to save the world. You know, a lot of story potential from that setup. Yeah, it's it's a straight up. It's a straight up soap opera with superpowers is really what it is. Of course. Yeah. And I I think it's hilarious that you're like, you know, they're basically sex toys. And it's funny because you could easily argue that like Kurt's tail is exactly mm. that. And Kurt has no problem with it. Like if any woman's like, just be my sex toy. And he has any attraction. To him, he's Except like, a okay. married woman. Like- I stand behind that. Yeah. Although he did fuck Megan when she was, all right, never mind. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Brainwashing though. No, he thinks with poor Tania Jean. God knows where she is. Wait, does this mean we need? 
Does this mean we need to amend our episode where we talk about Kurt thinks with his dick? He's thinking with his tail. Like, is that more accurate here? We'll just call it Kurt thinks with his schwantz and let it be both. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, one of the I want I want to ask the two of you about favorite moments with it. But if I can add one more academic thing before we do that, it's yeah, like, yeah, of course. Like, as someone who studies kind of like sexuality and pop culture and has done a lot of work on fan fiction as well, it really reminds me of kind of this history in fan fiction where uh, these sort of othered characters or alien characters often get some feminine traits ascribed to them for various mm-hmm. reasons. And I mean, I don't want to generalize about the reasons that various readers do that. I mean, I kind of do that for genderqueer reasons. Other people do that for reasons of wanting male bodies to have a kind of physical empathy with their body. Other people do it because, you know, they might be a straight woman and they're writing a male-male scene and they want one of those bodies to be feminized because that's the one that they identify with and want to inhabit, right? So you think Mm -hmm. back to something like Kirk and Spock and Spock's body is often sort of configured to have certain feminine features. I mean, even in terms of something like, you know, the canonical convention of Mm -hmm. Ponfar is like linked to, you know, cycles and like a feminization of that character mm-hmm. and I see that a lot in fan fiction with something like both Kurt's fur and his tail you know that those features are used to give him a kind of connotatively feminized sexuality you know he can be very hypersensitive because of those features he can be very fluid because of those features and that aspect of it is really interesting as well because I get fascinated by like the different ways people use it like both in comics and outside of comics it's such a um as I said in the thread it is a very diverse and loaded symbol and I think it's really interesting the way it speaks to the diversity of gazes that the superhero genre and superheroes as a concept you know can cultivate even though historically you know the comics haven't done that great of a job of openly cultivating that diversity mm-hmm. oh yeah I you know, it's interesting too with the tail. Um, it's it's not just that it's you know this like alien piece of him or something else. It's it's something that doesn't exist. Period in our world, a tail that that that's that prehensile, that's that sensitive. That you know he can he can use his tail to like pick up a nickel off the ground. That's how prehensile it is. So. Um, I think that adds to like kind of the mystique of it for, you know, is just this is something that would never exist. And it's on somebody who, you know, can use it in different ways. Like, what are all the ways that someone would use it? I mean, it's a truly impossible object, right? I mean, Nightcrawler in general is is an impossible object, but the tail is like a distillation of like his impossible (laughs) objectness. I mean, you know, it gets back to that concept of sex toys, right? It's an impossible sex toy, like in a lot of ways. So you want to talk about favorite moments with the tail? Yeah, I'm curious because I'm curious about how the two of you think about it. Because another person asked, you know, do you perceive it as being kind of hard or soft? What do you perceive the texture as being like? And I think everybody answers kind of differently. So I'm interested in those questions because it's very different in like the two, you know, Nightcrawlers we've had a live action film. That hasn't really been how I think about it. It's quite a bit more like stiff there than I think about it but it really depends who's drawing it in comics so like I'm curious about favorite moments and your own kind of interpretations of what it's like all right Lauren why don't you go first I'm trying to think because there's there's so many good moments obviously um I think in general with the way I think about his tail I don't know I guess I have I definitely just drawing it and stuff I see it as drawing it you know stiffer you know um almost like a text the texture of a pole which is weird to say um but at the same time i've also seen that as kind of lifelike again mm-hmm. maybe you know in terms of it, it can you know when he's it, it's kind of like a cat's tail or something right when it can be soft and just flimsy around and then he gets scared or something else and it goes up like this or it tenses up so that's kind of how i see it is that it has a general texture and such but um it, it depending on his mood and things like that it, it, it goes you know from you know kind of loose and hanging to very tense um i think that's the way i've seen it in terms of favorite moments i don't know i mean i guess i mean in general i just i love all the swashbuckling moments i think that's very cheesy but i mean that of itself shows how versatile it is in terms yeah. of you know he can hold and turn it like it's a wrist but even you know all the way around and stuff like i mean if he can do that with a sword what what can't he do with it if that makes any sense 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I I would say that so I agree with a lot of things Lauren said about like, you know, his tail. I mean, I think his tail has to have some kind of stiffness to it because as came up in your thread, um, we know there's bones in it. So and it's, it is literally just an extension of his spine, as Cochrane mentioned way back when he originally designed him. So um, there's got there's going to be some stiffness to it. But, you know, for the most part, it's like I, I see it as a warm, like squishy or not a warm, soft version of one of those like remember those snake toys? <laughs> I, I somehow know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yes, yes. And I like I, I guarantee <laughs> I'm doing the little hand motion. Yeah, there's hand Terrified, gestures involved. But I love it. Like, I... Mean, I... <laughs> That's a whole new definition of warm. It's like a warm... It's a warm, fuzzy, snake, snaky toy. Um, that's kind of how I see it. It's like... It's... Um, I, I mean, as far as, like, favorite moments, you know, we have to mention the cover of Wolverine where, you know, mm-hmm. he's naked yes. and his tail is just swaying out there. And, uh, you know, we've got, mm-hmm. like, not just the, tra- the phallic... Yeah, the the phallicness of the tail, but also the phallicness of the beer bottle, and nobody, nobody, nobody caught onto it. Nobody nope. realized. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I just love moments where he's kind of unexpected with his tail. There's definitely been some moments where, um, like he's gotten scared or startled, and like you see his tail kind of stick like straight up behind him, which is kind of cute. Um, I'll, I'm gonna go throw a big mention in for the Pixie Strikes Back mini where he gets super high on pixie dust and he's like singing a german lullaby while his tail is like all loopy around behind him which is really cute Uh lauren i can't believe you forgot about when lockheed tried to eat his tail which is like a classic tail (laughs) moment it is i mean that that panel where his his ass is basically up and everything i mean i don't know i mean there's an easy fantasy right there with that panel and you have to go to it i mean what does the tail do then it's anybody's guess I don't think the tail was having as much fun as Lockheed was, but we'll see. <laughs> what is Lockheed's probably, fixation probably. on tails, right? I don't know. I He's mean... a dragon. <laughs> what what isn't his fixation? To be He's fair, like, what's ours, another right? Tail, but it's new. Give it over. Yeah. He's like another tail, cool. Dibs. Yeah, I was kind of trying to think about it. I mean, my complaint about Alan Davis Kurt, who I love, but like Davis doesn't do a great Kurt tail you know it's a little bit lackluster mm. when Davis draws it I think it's the one the one <laughs> deficiency of his depiction of Nightcrawler so it's hard because so many of my favorite Kurt images are Davis but the tail is not a big thing for Davis a lot of the time it feels a little bit incidental to some of his drawings but I mean I, that. I spotlighted some moments with Kurt and Wolverine in the thread and you know there's a great panel from classic uncanny with them crawling across some metal girders and Logan says, if I fall, the first thing I'm going to grab is your tail. And then Kurt says, promises, promises. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, there's not, what other way is there to read that, really? And then it gets followed up on in a much later comic by, by... Scott Lobdell, funnily enough, where <laughs> Kurt and Logan in Marvel Comics Presents are on a very romantic horseback ride in the German forest, and Kurt tries to leave the leave the lover spat that they're having, having a little bit of an argument. They haven't seen each other in a while, and uh, Logan makes him stay by tugging on his tail, and... <laughs> think moments like that can feel very loaded given all of the symbolism bound up in that tale i also find moments interesting where he wraps the tail around people and we don't have like Mm -hmm. that many great kissing panels where he does that i would like more but it's interesting when he uses it in a fight that way because you can see how strong it must be like there's a great fight with sage in like claremont's new x-men drawn by davis where he mm-hmm. kind of flips her using the tail and then she actually does the move where she grabs the tail as well is this the one where she's like taken over by that weird mm-hmm. techno organic mm-hmm. thing i remember that yeah yeah it's a great fight scene but yeah mm-hmm. an exception to to my complaint about davis's use of the tail nice use of the tail there but and there's also the great one that he does um in excalibur 16 where he's confronting kimri in the prison and uh, mm-hmm. she has him in a mm-hmm. headlock and he's like well thank goodness i have alternatives you know being his tail <laughs> oh yes yeah. um oh fuck i just lost my train of thought i'm so sorry <laughs> I say talking about the tail does that. I mean, (laughs) it it does. Listen, okay. 
when when we were talking about that panel with Lockheed and the tail order and stuff and and the 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 implications behind that panel easily the first implication goes to my head as is possible pegging straight up and <laughs> i was like that's what the tail would do in that instance is what uh i don't know you're talking about earlier anna where he like he would be holding on backwards that way like it's and it would be cool to see more examples of how strong the tail is itself i can't think of because we see easily how maneuverable it is and things like that but i don't think there's as many examples of how strong it is as there could be we know it can support him at very least because he's hung from it many times um Mm -hmm. but i don't know if they i don't know if they've ever had a stat about that about like his tail strength well, I mean, he can fence with it, so he can like lift and maneuver a sword, which you know is impressive. Yeah, for something mm-hmm. such a long um, appendage. So, so- <laughs> there's no nice way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we are way past nice here. We are way past nice. Um, so it's interesting because we're you you brought up the uh, the the movies a little while ago because um, they did make his tail look very different in the movies. I think as far as like the stiffness, especially like in X2, I think a lot of that probably has to do with just like the limitations of the effects that they were creating at the time. And um, the one thing that they did bring up in the movies that they've seemed to kind of has followed Azazel, but not so much Kurt, even though I think they like um, brought it like they, they kind of insinuated he, he is like his tail is like razor sharp at the end, like Azazel's is, we know. And they've done that in the comics, which is like enough with Azazel. We don't, nobody needs him. Thank you. <laughs> enough. Um, but I don't know. It's another thing too in the movies is they made his tail like reptilian. It was like, yeah, it just felt like with the, it, yeah. it felt like a Godzilla tail. It was just like, ugh, gross. Get that thing away from me. Yeah, they have a real problem with the movie depiction in terms of, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I expect Nightcrawler's fur to be visualized in a movie. I don't know how that would actually look. I don't know if there's a way to do that in live action. <laughs> that wouldn't look uncanny valley and weird. But yeah, they're just trying to come up with different ways to emphasize the character's difference. That is not that. But you know, I mean, our fur technology has increased so much with the release of the Cats film. So I mean, oh, maybe we're going to get there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we still can't do butts, but we can do fur. So. <laughs> Uh, listen, I just, I, I feel like with Kurt, especially if they find a way to do his fur, his skin texture, whichever way to go with it, right. I feel like the best way to go would be practical because, yeah, none of the CGI shit, like, it just, it doesn't land, ever. Like I, I am totally fine with them not making him furry in the movies. I'll just, I'll just say it out there. Like, yeah, yeah. and they even describe his fur as, like, like almost imperceptible it's like velveteen fine so you know if they don't make him furry in the movies i'll take it give him a beard i don't care i'm fine (laughs) and also give him good hygiene his tail is right yeah the tail and give him good hygiene because god like they made good hygiene they made him with the ugliest nastiest nails i've ever seen in my life are you like are you freaking kidding me why is he, why does he look so disgusting? Like, I know he's like in a circus, but they can, they take showers. They take care of I was gonna themselves. say, we, we were actually, you know, talking about <laughs> nails and stuff earlier. And I was going to jokingly ask, like, do you guys think that Kurt like upkeeps like his nails and everything? Like, I feel like he does. Like, no matter what kind of circus or whatever he's in, he's, he's going to upkeep himself because, you know, he, he wants to stay clean. Like, it's just basic to him. Oh, that guy's that that. fastidious. He's got always, you know, nice hair. He's into clothes. I mean, how many times have we seen him showering in comics? More times than is usual. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've seen, um, I've, I've seen this in Fanon, and I kind of take it as my own canon that, like, he is meticulous about grooming because he always smells. So, like, he does every, like, because of the sulfur that's always kind of around mm-hmm. him. So he does everything he can to, like, make sure that's kind of the only thing. It's, you know, he just, you know, wants to make sure that he, like, comes off as clean and, like, well-kempt and taken care of. And also because, like, he's a man, you know, and he wants to be seen as a man, not as this monstrous yeah. thing. No, I think that that's a good character. Right? And it, it sort of reminds me of, you know, the, the convention Hellboy comics where he like shaves off his horns, right? Because he doesn't want to be perceived that way. So like, that's very much part of my headcanon for Kurt as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
how often do you guys think he cleans his tail? Do you think like it's something every single shower, no matter what, he's clean with everything else? Like that's his pride and joy. You know what he's got? He's got one of those. He's got one of those natural sponges that has a hole in it, and he just kind of. <laughs> I'm just doing the. I'm just doing the motion. There was, I'm doing there the motion was a, with my hands. Sound to that as well. Well, you know, I was say there was a sound. <laughs> Well, I mean, I yeah. very much didn't enjoy there was a Kirkoa era scene in which he handed Pixie a sandwich using his tail. And I admit to finding that incredibly gross. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> are you washing that thing? Do you wash it like you wash a hand? Because unless you're washing that thing as many times as you're washing your hand during the day, don't effing hand me a sandwich with that tail. That is just that is not appropriate for a variety of reasons. I think Mama Margali was like, you wash your hands, you wash your tail, kid. Mm-hmm. All right. I know that that tail gets exactly where those hands get and everything needs to be washed. <laughs> oh, well, before we move too, pa- too far past showering, this goes back a minute, but uh, another two favorite tail moment, definitely the scene from the Roberto Aguirre Sacasa series where he's in the shower and Storm hands him the towel, which he accepts using his tail. Yes. Yeah. Because like all friends, um, I... I often like to sit right outside my friend's shower with a mm-hmm. towel waiting, just mm-hmm. patiently waiting for them to come yeah. out. Like, yeah, you know. that's what she did when I visited her like a couple weeks ago. She just sat there outside the shower. What? That's true. Does that's that? true. That's true. Holding a towel, <laughs> hoping that she would, you know, come and grab it from me. Just to remind her, this is my towel that I gave you. But that's such a good, um, you know, use of the tail too, though, right? Because, I mean, it is a playful sexual symbol. And if we're going to read into the, the fact that the character knows that about his own tail, which, you know, mm-hmm. I think that there's enough evidence to support that reading. Yes. He could have accepted that towel with his hand. He chose to use his tail and show her what his tail can do in accepting that towel. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. I like that. That's a good point. It's funny because um, when you were mentioning about uh, the scenes with uh, the kissing scenes with the tail wrapped around them, I'm pretty sure in the same run at the very end when he kisses Christine Palmer, I think that his tail is wrapped around her in that scene. Oh, it Which must be. It must be. That's a great kiss. That's <laughs> that's a great kiss because it was 12 issues of like, God damn it, you two. And then they mm-hmm. kiss and then she's gone. It was just like, oh my God. Oh. Yeah, damn. I would like to see her yeah. back in his life. They had like a good thing going. I I believe, and this is through absolutely no nothing but my own belief, that um, they they okay. So in the Doctor Strange movie, the, the last one, Multiverse of Madness, um, and Christine gets married, and her husband is wearing a crushed blue velvet jacket. Oh I gotta fucking, believe, I've gotta fucking believe. Like I mean, because who? First of all, who gets married in a crushed blue crushed blue velvet jacket? Who? Who? I I gotta believe that was like a nod to Nightcrawler. That is strange. I, I'm going to give that to you. I like the set canon. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of who worked. I don't even know who worked on that movie. I'd have to look at it. But like, if anybody who worked on that movie had anything to do with X-Men ever, I'm like, sorry, it just it has to be. <laughs> yeah. Why is it we can only have like the fan things of like, <laughs> what's his face office guy being Reed Richards, but we can't have, you know, one of those alternate universes be Wanda and Nightcrawler together. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, there you go. Now you've done it. Now you've done it. <laughs> There's oh my no god. return now. I just okay. Well, to keep to keep it on track with the tail, let's briefly talk about Nocturne's tail because <laughs> sure. her tail is a whole fucking story because it's retractable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which for those of you who are not in the know, the reason it's retractable has nothing to do with story and everything to do with like editorial not being able to like keep track of the artist essentially <laughs> i always assumed that was the case but you would be the one who knows no yeah that was 100 percent. what happened was basically it was i can't i think jim mccone did the first issue or the first arc of exiles and then jim Cal or mark mccone did the first arc and then jim calafiore did the second arc i think and i and what i I think it started, she started with a tail. I, th- I, don't, I don't remember. But basically one of them did not draw the tail. And then on the next arc, they did draw the tail. And then on the next arc, the other artist was like, oh shit, there's no tail. Okay. Oh, oh shit, there is a tail. Never mind. Okay, here's a tail. But then by the next arc, that artist would be like, oh wait, we're not doing the tail. Okay, never mind. But the tail. And then finally they just decided to be like, you know what? Her tail is retractable. Screw it. And I'm like, I, I, I would have just ignored the tail completely. I would have been like, whatever, there's no tail. But 
They decided to make it retractable. I do not want to know what it retracts into. I do not like, I, I like to think that it is almost like an extension of like Mystique's power where it just, she can just have it come out of her and go into her. Like, it's not like actually Uh retractable so much as it's like, she, it's like a tiny little piece of, um, shape-shifting she can do, which is very weird too, but. Well, you know, yeah. her her mother traffics in chaos magic. I'm willing to buy anything. <laughs> I do like I, the way they try to, I, I, I do like the way they try to sell it at the end of Nocturne's tale where she's talking to Blink and she's like, so the tale is retractable. That's really gross. And then Nocturne is like, ah, deal with it. Because, you know, you've talked so wonderfully about her body positivity. So I try to make that work mm-hmm. for me as just like, well, she's not bothered by it. I got to get on her level because she's just so comfortable. <laughs> And that says a lot to like just her character in general of her. She is very comfortable with who she is. She loves who she is more so than Kurt because she never went through like the shit that Kurt did. She didn't go through all that. Mm. She has always had, she never had a reason not to love herself. And I mean, like, let's be real. She was raised by the X-Men and the Avengers. Like you're probably not the most unpopular kid in school when your parents are the fucking superheroes. So, um, but yeah, like, and I agree. I love her reaction to Blink, where Blink is kind of like, Ugh, and she's just like, just it's like, live with it. What do you want me? To, what What do you want me to say? Like, it, I, I was born this way. Like, you want me to like, you know, come on. So, um, but yeah, and that, but again, though, it's it's such an afterthought of a of a fix of canon too, because it just it it's like at the very end of the issue, it's just like, oh, your tail retracts, ew, and then it's like that's it, done. Her tail retracts now. <laughs> Has it it showed up, like, like, in a lot of subsequent comics? Like, does it show up in, like, New Exiles or New Excalibur? That's why I know her mostly, to see her tail. Like, I never think of her without her tail. Like, it's weird. I'm the opposite. So, in New Excalibur, she does not have a tail. Like, pretty much exclusively for the entirety of it. I'm trying... I can't think of any time where she does have a tail in New Excalibur. Um, I think her tail might come back a little bit in exiles like the new like 2018 exiles yeah, i think yeah. her tail might have made an appearance but i feel like for the most part more more often than not and again i mean saying more often than not when it comes to nocturne is like it's not that often uh but i i think more often than not they choose to depict her without the tail and i have a feeling that that's like trying to set like trying to distance herself from no- nightcrawler or distance her from nightcrawler mm. a little bit yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't want to read too much into it because there are certainly many sexy female characters uh, who have tails. But at the same time, it is notable to me that Nocturne, for the most part, doesn't have the tail. And when Megan becomes Nightcrawler, she also doesn't have the tail. And it almost strikes me as that, you know, artists are less interested in the tail because the tail is so often a phallic symbol, they're a bit less interested in playing with it on female bodies than on a male body. And again, mm. I don't want to read too much into that because it could just be coincidence. There's plenty of sexy Ileana images where she's got a tail. And, oh, yeah. And many other comics, plenty of examples as well. But still, I do think about that as sort of a notable absence. But... um. But then again, you know, we have stuff like in X-Men Forever, Rogue becoming Nightcrawler and having to deal with <laughs> the complications of having a tail, which, you know, <laughs> despite my misgivings about X-Men Forever, that was sort of interesting. The main thing I can think of with Nocturne is the idea that they don't want people to think she's just a girl Nightcrawler. Yeah. So I can kind of see why in that case they might try to stay away from a tail because, as you know, we've talked about this whole episode, the tail is so that's such a Kurt thing you know that he's really the only one that is associated with it it's an impossible object nothing and no one else can be the same as his tail um so I wonder if that's why they do it because yeah you're right like there is that X-Men forever where you know Rogue's like what the heck is this and why do I have to deal with this crap so yeah I think it's less <laughs> of a woman or sexism thing and more a like well, we don't want people to think this is just girl Kurt. Mm-hmm. Um, which, if it's that point of view, I do respect that um, on a certain level. And I did like Lisa's joke, jokingly comment earlier about, like, you know, the shape-shifting thing, like Mystique. Well, I mean, she technically, she shares genes with Mystique, so maybe it's a recessive trait. Who knows? Like, eh. Yeah, she can shapeshift, but just the base of her spine. That's it. Like the only thing. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, every generation. It's less intense, and 
if it's recessive, she only got it a certain way. I don't know. And her great grandchild will only, the only thing her great grandchild will be able to do is change her left toenail color. That's it. That's all you get from there. There you go. Shipping. That's it. But okay. So actually, you brought up a funny, an interesting point, Lauren, that I want to ask from both of you. Does anyone, is there any character in comics that has a tail like Kurtz that we can think of? Like, I know, I, I don't want to say. Well, not retractable. No, just like so prehensile. Like there's that scene in um, Wolverine where in the same issue that he's naked on the cover, there's that where he's holding Mm -hmm. a peanut. Like he actually unshells a peanut with his tail. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, is there any character, not just comics, any character in general who has a tail like that or any kind of fifth appendage like that, that is so sensitive and so because I can't think of anybody. I mean, I feel like people would want to say Beast Boy or something, but I he his tails are like animal tails, and there's no animal that has yeah, anything no, like he, this. He transforms into an animal and then get the tail if they have one. But I mean, to best of my knowledge, he doesn't have an actual tail. Um, yeah, and even like Tigra and like art, like Cheetah and like women, the like characters like that, their tails are just more animal tails. They're not. They don't have that level of prehensive. Yeah, they're just there for basic balance, and they kind of flicker around in the in the wind a bit as they move and stuff yeah i can't think of any i mean maybe there is but yeah i can't think of anybody that has a tail that's used to suck any extent or an appendage like this like that's a really good point like yeah no, nobody has a tail like kurt <laughs> that's true he's got the tail and he's got the bamf <laughs> yeah i can't think of any other examples either i was racking my brain but i mean you know if somebody can think of an example they should they should hit you up and let you know yeah let us know i mean and here's the thing your answer can't be azazel or nocturne because that's yeah. cheating absolutely so not. Absolutely yeah not. <laughs> yeah your answer can't be like oh someone who's related to him that doesn't count um but yeah does anyone have any final thoughts on the tale before we uh wrap up our little our little tale session um, I think it's iconic and I would like to have more tail sessions in the future. And if that's what you call hookups with Kurt, I'm in. So yeah, uh, me up. I'm just saying, I think weaponless then agrees with you girl. So, you know, she's, she's, she's already, she's booked out the fuck flower for the next three weeks. <laughs> God damn it. Listen, why go to yeah. therapy when I have a tail session and then you just tell people that I have a tail session and they're like, what's that? And they have no idea what it is. You just let them suffer racking what the hell that means. I mean, if someone said they had a tail session, I'd know exactly what that means. It means they're going to get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like even, even when there's not a tail involved, it's like, I'm going to get some tail. Yeah, I'm getting fucked. There you go. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you feel like that... I don't want to put him on blast, but I won't mention him by name. But uh, a friend of mine, when we were talking about that Legion of X issue, when it came out, he like joked like, oh, someone should tell Spurrier about the refractory period. And I was like, oh, don't make me. Don't make me. And I was like, I have to. That's what the tale is for. I wrote a whole thread about it. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and he does have his period, that little period in you know, in Legion of X, where he's just like, I need to recover for a minute, guy. Like, you know. Yeah, he has a short refractory period. Come on, guys. Yeah. Like, break. He, he knows what he's doing more than you. He is a superhuman. Like, he's not just a man. He's a superhuman. So, um, yeah. Superhumans have super tail. sex and all the diversity and excitement that implies. That's true. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Anna. This was a pleasure. It is always fun to talk about super sex and sexuality and Kurt and Tails and Schwanzes with you. <laughs> of course, of course. Anytime. I mean, that's always occupying about 20% of my brain space at any given moment. So to be able to talk about it openly, <laughs> always a pleasure. Always. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. And wait, tell, uh, tell everybody where they can find you and what you're up to and what you're doing and all that jazz. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, just my name, Papard underscore Anna, uh, boringly professional. You can also find me at the Twitter account Sequential Scholars, which um, is run by me and Andrew DeMann of Claremont Run fame. We're doing uh, sort of three to four Twitter threads a week about various aspects of comics. At the time of this recording, we're doing a week and a bit of threads about She-Hulk, which is going to be a whole oh, lot of fun. Yes. 
And you can also find me on the Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast, which is an issue by issue read through and analysis of every issue of the Marvel comic series Excalibur starring Nightcrawler with plenty of Nightcrawler conversations. If by any chance you're listening to this and you haven't already listened to Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow, what are you doing with your life? Come over and join us having serious and fun academic conversations about uh, not just Nightcrawler, but many fun and sexy topics over there each and every week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I'm there, we talk about Nocturne. So there you go. Yeah, it's all happening. <laughs> um, and you also uh, are the author of Super Sex. I am. You can find my edited anthology, academic book, Super Sex, Sexuality, Fantasy, and the Superhero, uh, wherever comics are sold, or wherever books are sold, probably not wherever comics are sold. Oh, wait, I do have one point about that, which is that this came up and didn't ask me anything recently. Someone asked me if, um, oh, I can't even remember what the question was, but I had to tell them that um, Nightcrawler would be very disappointed with me because I have a dedication for the book, which thanks all the superheroes I've loved before. And I did thank, you know, <laughs> so I th- thank all the different features of superheroes. I'm telling the story terribly. You know, I thanked, you know, their metallic skin and their electric hands. And like I said, fur, and I did not say prehensile tail. And oh, girl. Um, I had a chance to like add edits to the book because the paperback edition is coming out this year. And I really was going to add it to the dedication page but I was a little bit too embarrassed to make that the one thing I was going to change. And so I backed <laughs> down on it. So that was my my great shame as Kurt Wagner's unofficial PR manager is not fighting for that change when I had the chance. I'll feel guilty about it for the rest of my life. You know, some some things are just for us. So maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe that's just for you. That's, true. that's all it is. That's it. Well, um, thank you all for joining us for this fabulous depth into Kurt's tale. Maybe we'll do a sequel episode to talk about the depths Kurt's tale has been into. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Lauren, tell them where they can find you as well. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at FriendlyMBHDBI. And I do a show on Sundays as well. Um, so you can find that on my Twitter as well. Follow its page, all that good stuff. And yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. It. And you, if you like us, you can follow us. We have our website, simplyamazingpod.com. We are at on Twitter at simplyamazing with one A, A-M-Z-I-N-G, pod. Uh, we also are on Instagram. All of our socials are on the website. Go to simplyamazingpod.com and check it out. I put it together with, it took me like, you know, a couple minutes with uh, GoDaddy, but listen, I'm proud of it. It looks pretty good. Uh, yeah, and um, we are constantly doing fun things on our Twitter. We're going to be doing some giveaways coming up pretty soon. So take a look out for that. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, if you like this, if you enjoy listening, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you don't enjoy listening, then, I mean, I've already told you to stop. So I don't know why you're still here. Hit uh, the curb. Get out. That's it, exactly. And if you are out there looking for a little tail, well, guess what? So are we, because you are simply amazing. <laughs>